Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in this week for Pub Sports Talk. We have Evan Fitzsimmons, Parker Hackey, and of course myself, Tim. That was a lovely face Parker just made. I hate you guys missed that. So yeah, we're going to be talking about face masks and football. We're going to be discussing the Madden curse, some sports what-ifs, and we might even dip a little bit into the MLB. Uh, They've been kind of back and forth this week, so there's been some news on that. Um, anyone want to say anything before we get started to our wonderful listeners? Uh, sorry, you're, you're missing Notorious R.E.D. Devin. Uh, he's on a family vacation right now, so we're going to pour some out for him here at the pub. Um, but he'll be back next week. Don't worry. He's coming in with some hot, hot takes for us. We had a listener... Uh, ask us a question. So a couple months ago, or I guess a few months ago when all this started, um, a couple officials of the NFL came out and said that, you know, some options could be doing N95 masks and attaching it to the helmet, as crazy as that sounds. And so the idea is that you would have, you know, your team's logo or different designed masks. part of the uniform for this season. And so I was thinking about it a little bit and um, I wanted to bring some just different statistics and just kind of my thoughts as far as being from the healthcare side of things. So uh, starting with Dr. Fauci, I think we're all familiar with Dr. Fauci, I hope we are at this point. Um, He recommended uh, well, I guess initially not, but then he recommended wearing masks. And he actually has come out and publicly said that the NBA's proposal for the uh, playoffs that they're, the little uh, bubble that they're making over in Disney, he said that's probably going to be the standard as far as how sports need to go uh, forward with proper precautions. So with that being said, Um, If anyone's familiar with the NBA, a couple things that they're doing is um, they're going to be, the masks are required indoors at all times. There's going to be three different arenas. Uh, If a player leaves without approval, uh, they have to be quarantined for 10 to 14 days automatically. Each team's also allowed to have up to 37 different people. That could be players, coaching staff. And they're just essentially, you know, at the ready. If something happens and they lose a few players to COVID, you have backups. And of course, there's there's other things. But the idea here is that the NBA is really establishing good guidelines, uh, pretty strict guidelines, and they have to be strict. And that's okay for the NBA. But looking at it in the NFL's aspect, uh, you have to take into account the proximity of the players, okay? So the CDC, you know, shows a 95% reduction if you wear the mask, but more importantly, if you're six feet away, that's the big key. So even if I'm wearing a mask or we're wearing masks and we're on the field and I go to tackle someone, that kind of negates the purpose of preventing the disease from spreading. So that, if you think about that, and then you take into account you know, how on earth would you 
set aside the proper staff just in case, you know, half your, if your offense, if your, if your quarterback comes down with coronavirus, then, you know, everyone who's in, in contact with your quarterback has to then be quarantined, which means two weeks. So then you have to go back a couple weeks to see what games they played and who was with who. And it's, it's a nightmare. Just thinking about it would be crazy. And so as cool as N95 masks would look on like a uni, I think there was a picture of, I don't know if it was a Falcons player that I saw, or maybe it was a different uniform that I saw, but I mean, it looked pretty cool if they could arrange it, but that's just not going to be enough. Like, well, I saw there was an article or really a, a story that came out this week and it was about, so I've got the article right here and the heading is two infected Missouri hairstylists were wearing masks. None of their 140, 140 customers also masked got COVID-19. So like it was apparently, and I don't know how they tracked this, but, but two hairstylists who were infected, they wore masks and I guess they just desanitized like their hands as they cut hair and none of their customers um, came positive with COVID. So it just kind of raises a question that, okay, if we keep wearing masks, you know, is, is that enough? And there's, you know, that's, that's the big question that everyone's asking. But with that, with that report, it just kind of stirs the pot a little bit of what is possible with wearing masks. So I, I just thought that was really relevant um, as we think about NFL, like is, is masks enough? I guess I also have a question. So are they thinking of like, I really, I was trying to find these N95 masks. Do they just, do they cover the mouth completely or do they kind of put it over the face mask area? Like, is it like a legit mask or does it, is it a covering on the face mask? Yeah, that's another thing. So the, the mock-up that I saw, it was almost like it was part of the face mask. Um, and and they haven't even come out with any specifications. I would assume that's what they would do. And the reason behind that would be uh, dehydration. I don't know if you guys have had experience with like all day, you have to wear the mask and um, you're, you're drinking less frequently because you're just, you're almost encouraged not to because they don't want you to take the mask off. So you have these high end athletes who, you know, their physiological status is really fine tuned. And then you have, uh, you have them where, even if it's not directly over their mouth or their nose, like just covering up their face mask is going to make a difference. And so you have to start wondering about injuries. Like, yeah, you're protecting from COVID, but you know, if dehydration sets in and then next thing you know, you have a pulled hammy. And now instead of being out potentially two weeks for quarantine, you're out eight weeks. And it's it just, I don't know, it snowballs from there. Parker, what are your thoughts? That, I mean, that's a really good point. You know, I was thinking that as, you know, A, how durable are these masks? Because your you're, you're hand combination, like being a hog on the line, defense or offense, being a linebacker, fullback, you're getting hands in the face. And I'll, you know, the mask I've used, I don't think they can handle Dwight Freeney in his prime clawing at my face. Like, I don't think that's happening. Um, and, and like you said, 
you know, six feet distance with a mask on. That's heaven. That's what it's supposed to be. But I'm tackling somebody, and now we're breathing on top of each other. Our sweat's getting on top of each other. Um, you know, I, I'm with you. You know, I don't, I don't think it's going to be logistically there. It's a really cool design. Um, a comp or not a company, but a guy I found on Instagram, Spida with an A at the end because he's cool like that. G R F X. That's his handle. Um, and he kind of came out with these different designs for different teams, and they look cool. It's like an alternate visor type of deal. Um, but I don't think it. I don't think it's worth it. Like it, I don't think it's going to do as much good, if not harm, because like you said, they're going to be dehydrated, not getting that Gatorade and water in them. Now they've torn a hammy or whatever they're out for the season instead of being out for two weeks for COVID. You know, some of these guys won't even have symptoms. So it's who knows. Yeah, it's it's just a giant mess. And kind of scoping out from just the mask, if you look at the NBA, this whole thing is gonna be I can't I can't remember the time frame, a couple months maybe, where they have to sit in this bubble. You're talking about an NFL season. How how in the world would you even logistically go about controlling that? You can't you can't just lock down a city and say, okay, all the games are this city. We're playing for 16 weeks. Like it just I don't know. I really hope there's football. I really do. But just thinking about it, I I, I don't know. I just get disheartened. And I I think the the key word is all of us have said we don't know, and we're. From us being just average Joes to the healthcare professionals, I don't think they really know, honestly, because it keeps evolving. You know, it's a virus. Um, you know, China just had a second spike of it. So looking down the top pipeline here, we're, we're probably going to have a second spike of it, and that's right when football season's getting started. Um, so yeah, we need sports. Sports have always been a background in this country. You know, me being a social studies teacher, it's got us through the Great Depression. It's got us through civil rights and all this stuff. It's always been there to help heal the nation. We need it, but I don't see it coming back. I don't know. Um, you know, and these NBA players, I don't know if you saw it, but some of them don't want to play. They don't want to be locked down in Orlando for a month, you know, 45 days to 60 days or whatever it might be. They want to go protest for Black Lives Matter and, and, and the Black Life Movement. Um, they want to hang out with their family and friends. Like, like I have a fiance. If you're going to tell me I got to stay away for three months, like, I'm sorry, like, peace, I'm out. Unless I know I'm going to have a chance to ring, to get a ring. Like if I'm LeBron or, uh, you know, maybe um, part of the Bucks or whatever, yeah, yeah, I'll go get my ring. But other than that, if I don't have a chance to win, I don't want it. Yeah, there just seems to be logistically just so many nightmares of like, okay, if, if we do have a, a backup squad or some scabs in case, you know, our whole offense gets COVID, then you have to work it in. Then you have to think of contracts like, okay, well, you technically didn't play for these few games, but we've already signed a contract for this. You know, I don't know. It's just, it's a headache. And um, all that aside, though, what do you guys think about just like getting a face mask of your team, like a pretty, pretty cool face mask? Would you guys be down for that? That's or? pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> it sure beats the crappy you know, the blue looking ones that are just so bland, like get a Honolulu blue Detroit or Detroit lion. Like we're riding, we're ready to go. I will say my neighbor came like the, maybe the second or third week of COVID and was going door to door. She had handmade a bunch of masks. So I'm still rocking that, 
you know, I wash it like every three days or whatever. Uh, speaking of football, though, I had another listener ask about the Madden curse. And it's, is it real? Is it not? Should Lamar Jackson worry? Should Devin Slate worry about the Baltimore Ravens losing Lamar Jackson? Um, so what are your all's takes about the Madden curse? Or we can talk about the stats of it, whatever you guys want. But what's your all's take on it? I mean, it's it's fun to talk about, but I don't – I wouldn't say I'm a believer in the curse. I mean, I do remember there was a stretch that there was – it was like every player. It was in the – it was like the Peyton Hillis was probably like the peak of the Madden curse movement of just like one year – and then nothing. And I I wish I had pulled the list up of um just who are the who are on the Madden covers. I know Antonio Brown was a recent one. Do you want me um, to read through them real quick? Yeah, read through them. All right. So this is from CBS Sports. All right. So we're gonna start back to two thousand. John Madden was on the cover, Barry Sanders. That was the year Barry Barry Sanders retired out of nowhere. Oh, so he never stepped foot on the field in the year two thousand. Uh, 2001, running back from Tennessee Titans, Eddie George. Um, he only averaged 3.4 yards a carry for the rest of his career. <laughs> 2002, Dante Culpepper. Um, that year, he fumbled 16 times through 14 touchdowns and 13 interceptions. Jeez. I'm amazed he was on a cover. I don't well, think he was that. I don't think he was ever like that good. He but, had hold a on, couple, keep, keep going, keep going. A couple bursts in there. Uh, 2002, you had Marshall Falk from the greatest show on turf, St. Louis Rams. Um, he missed half a dozen starts, and he never topped a thousand yards again in his career. Remember, Marshall Falk was wow. supposed to be the dude in St. Louis. Him and Kurt Warner. Wow. 2004, Michael Vick. He broke his fibula, missed five to six games, um, and then obviously four <laughs> years later, he ends up in the big house in jail. Uh, 2005, linebacker Ray Lewis. His stats were still pretty stout. He logged 147 tackles. Um, so, yeah, he's pretty good there. Finished his career with the Super Bowl. Yeah, so I can't talk too much crap about Lewis. 2006, Phillies Donovan McNabb. Uh, that's the year where him and T.O. got into it because they were supposed to be the greatest thing, and then he <laughs> broke his collarbone. Um, 2007, running back Sean Alexander. Shout out to Kentucky. Oh, man. I forgot about him. Man. Uh, he uh, went from 1,800 rushing yards to 896 rushing yards. Yeah, he fell Jeez. off pretty badly. Uh, 2008, RIP Vince Young. Uh, we all know that story. If you don't look that story up. He Hook him. <laughs> he went from one of the greatest college careers to being out of the league pretty quick. Uh, 2009, we had the Green Bay Packers slash New York Jets quarterback Brett Favre. We all know how that ended up. Uh, 2010, uh, Arizona Cardinals Larry the Magic Fitzgerald and Pittsburgh's Troy Palomalu. Uh, Palomalu missed 11 games that year with the torn MCL. Oh, my gosh. Uh, but Larry had a great year. He had a Pro Bowl year. So it's kind of half cursed there. 2011, St. Saint, Saint, uh, yeah. The Saints, New Orleans, 
uh, Drew Brees, he went from throwing 33 touchdowns to 22 picks, which is a franchise record to this day. Oh, my gosh. I didn't know 2012, that. Peyton Hillis, don't know why they chose him for the cover, but they did. Uh, if you don't know who he is, that's proof enough the curse is alive. Well, he was a beast. Like that one year. That yeah. one. Okay, there's, there's the catch. The one year. He was also uh, on a bunch of Papa John's boxes. <laughs> well, we know how Papa John's turned out. Oh. Uh, 2013, the man himself, Megatron, Calvin Johnson. Uh, he still had a great year. 1,900 receiving yards. Uh, 2014, Adrian Peterson. Child abuse, child please. 2015, don't throw to me with that sorry crabtree, Richard Sherman. Uh, he did have Tommy John surgery, but that was not the year after. That was a couple years after. Uh, 2016, Odell Beckham Jr. He still had 1,400 yards a year. The Madden uh, cover came out. 2017, Rob the Gronkowski. Um, he had a herniated disc and a crap ton of other injuries that year. Uh, 2018, Brady, he still had a great year, except he lost the Super Bowl. Um, and so, yeah, and then Antonio Brown last year, or sorry, Antonio Brown 2019, we know how that ended up for him. Uh, and then last year was Patrick Mahomes, which he had a great year, Super Bowl. So my verdict, the curse is there. It just skips. Every so often. Yeah. But I think the curse is well and alive. And Lamar fans be worried. See, I didn't know about, like, the Drew Brees, um, like, the franchise record for picks. Like, I just assumed, like, Drew Brees, he's had a solid career. But he had that, you know, not that he had a – like I mean, I guess you could say he had a bad year. But, yeah, Madden curse got him. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I might be a believer now after hearing that. What if it's just – like we finally broke through, you know, as you were going, you know, back from 2000, I mean, it was, it was bad. And then you, there was a couple like decent stories sprinkled in there. Like Ray Lewis was a solid one. Yeah. It kept getting a little better, but you would always have like, you know, one step forward, two back. I think, I think it's broken now though. I think like Mahomes turned the curse into a gift. And I think whoever's there is like, they're enlightened for the season. Just think about it. Well, I will say, like, one question that came to mind was, um, you know, when did they decide to start going with younger players? Because some of those guys, um, like, it seems like they were, like, kind of seasoned. Like, they mm-hmm. picked them, like, mm-hmm. once they had been in the league, like, once they're kind of a face, which makes sense but then you're also more injury-prone. If you're a running back, you, your shelf life is so low anyway. You know, like Sean Alexander and Peyton Hillis. But, again, I think those are kind of rare stories to begin with. Like, they're not – Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I, I'm just worried because Lamar runs so much. And I think he'll be a classic example of the Madden curse. Uh, you know, unless he's learned how to slide in the offseason, slide more regularly, um, he just takes so many hits. And I, I know Devin's optimistic. He's like, I don't think negative like a Bengals fan. But if I think any fan base can say Lamar needs to learn how to slide or get out of bounds a little bit quicker than he does. 
Um, so with him taking those hits, now all of a sudden he gets injured or whatever. I think the curse is back on. I don't know. Well, with, maybe you're right, Tim. With Lamar, I looked. I pulled up his stats. Like I pulled up his entire game log from his MVP season, and it's interesting because if you look at his season, um. I mean, you you can just look at all his numbers, but what stands out to me is his rating, like his passer rating for the season was 113.3, so really good. Um, He had a perfect rating, and he had like above 130. Well, I'll just say he had above 120 rating in six games of the season, which is really good. That means he's like, he had six games that were just stupid, unreal. But the playoff game against Tennessee, so again, a season rating of 113. His, his game against Tennessee was a rating of 68.3. And also a season where he was sacked only 23 times all year. He was sacked four times against the Titans. And it's actually similar. His playoff game the year before, they lost to the Chargers. And, again, his stats are significantly lower. So the only thing I would say is Lamar hasn't proven himself in the postseason. Like, he he had a good rookie year. They make the playoffs. He has an MVP second year off the charts and then just a total – it's a, a total botched playoff game. So I don't – that's where I'm kind of like Madden curse. Like, you know, we may see the explosive plays, but um, like I don't see him – it's weird because for Lamar, like the question is like where are the expectations for Lamar? Is he going to take Baltimore to the Super Bowl next year or – or is it a step back? Because if they barely make the playoffs, or if they don't make the playoffs, then people are going to be like, Madden curse. But it's kind of like, well, he hasn't even won a playoff game yet. So, I think that's just his youth. You know, the kid can barely drink, you know. He's, what, 22 years old. <laughs> um, so, I, you know, I, I think that's youth. It'll come, you know, to channel, channel my inner Devin here, you know. They're going to do good. They're going to go to the AFC championship or whatever it might be. Um, I just – I don't know. I, I think him in a couple of years, he deserves the cover. But maybe it's too soon. Maybe you're right. Maybe he's a little bit too young for the cover. Um, Tim, any thoughts? Yeah, kind of piggybacking on what you guys are talking about. Um, I think part of the Madden cover, at least of recent, has been – about kind of like clout more than, I guess, achievements. I mean, so like, yeah, Pat Mahomes, which last year in particular, like people were just going crazy about him. Rightfully so, it's Patrick Mahomes. And then you saw the season that Lamar had. And I think it's like more so about personalities. Because then I know you named off Odell, you named off Gronk, you named off Brady. It's kind of like they're just striking where the iron's hot, you know? Yeah. Um, but as far as Lamar, I just – I get what you were talking about as far as if 
if they don't even make the playoffs, then you can just point right to the curse. I just don't see him regressing. I mean, he came through uh, and started halfway in his rookie season and showed out. I mean, he took a beating, especially with against the Chargers. Like, they just beat the tar out of him. But he came back. I, I don't know. I don't have his numbers right in front of me as far as times hit or slides. Um, but he seemed to not get hit as much. And he played the full season. I just – I don't know. I think a lot of people maybe give him too much flack for the playoffs. He's, he just finished his second year, and it wasn't even his full year. Like, you know, how many times did it take Peyton? Or how many times uh, – I mean, Tom Brady's kind of an outlier. But, like, you see all these greats, you know. It, I, don't, I just don't feel like you see anyone really come right out of the gate and just – especially playoffs. It's just a different beast. And you had Tennessee. Tennessee was like – Gosh, they were on a rampage. They were they were playing because I know um, Harbaugh. He sat their starters for like week seventeen, I think, right? Mm-hmm. But Tennessee just kept hammering, and you know they were just hot. And I think that was part of it too. Was not necessarily that they weren't prepared, but and Tennessee had just beat New England too. Yeah, it's like you you could just see the teams and the difference in Tennessee, like it felt like they had more to lose and they were playing that way to me, mm-hmm. but I don't know. I think Lamar is going to crush it this year. And it's, a, it's now dubbed the Madden gift. <laughs> the Madden gift. The well, Madden I, did, gift. I forgot Mahomes got injured um, last season. And I guess that's the other thing is part of it is in the NFL, like you're bound to get hurt. Like, the, just the chances of you getting hurt in the NFL is so high. So, like, my thing is, like, you know, if people are like, oh, like, you know, he missed you know, he missed X amount of games, you know, it's Madden curse. It's kind of like, no, that's just playing in the NFL. Like, you, you just get hurt. Um, yeah. So, I think that's just kind of part of it. I do think um, just watching the Ravens this year – I don't think Lamar took as many hits as a lot of people thought he would. Kind of what Tim was saying is like, everyone's like, Oh, this style doesn't work, but Lamar really does limit. Like he, he doesn't slide cause he runs too fast, <laughs> like, but he, but he gets down. Like, it's not like he doesn't, you know, it's not like he doesn't slide like that. He, that he's just going to take a hit. He just, he runs so fast that he's got to run like head first. Um, but I do think he avoids, he avoids the big hit. Um, so I, I mean, again, I think, I think with the, with Harbaugh's scheme, I think if Lamar can continue to be the dual threat and get it done in the air and on the ground, I think they can just, I think they should be dominant. Um, I think they should be again. So I'm pulling for Lamar, the Madden gift. Look, I'm pulling that. for him. I'm pulling for him minus any AFC North battle with us. Um, or if his game makes the Bengals out of the playoffs or whatever. Uh, but you guys got some good points, man. Maybe maybe it'll be the Madden gift. 
Maybe the Madden curse. Hopefully we find out. Hopefully. 2020. Uh, you're the Madden real quick, gift. I'm still, yeah. <laughs> you heard it here first. Uh, put that on a t-shirt. We're going to market that. Parker, um, how, would you, how would you feel if Lamar had a great year, but Burrow just came off the gates on fire and he was on the next Madden cover? How'd you feel about that? It's, it's the Madden gift. Duh. <laughs> That's right. That's right. It's a gift now. We're good. We're good. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm always skeptical, but we play in Cincinnati. We're not going to have – like, our best shot was Ocho Cinco. He had the most clout of any Bengal player ever. Uh, that happened. So, I don't – it's not going to happen. Because there are talks. Cal, Colin Kaepernick coming back in the league. Roger Goodell just tweeted out today that he would like Colin back in the league if some teams would like him to. I know we had the trout last year. Uh, to refresh you, they, the NFL put him up with a spot, said, hey, we're going to give you a tryout. He flaked on it, went to a high school down the road to do his own workout, not the NFL's workout, which he lost some scouts there. Um, and, you know, I, I've never had a problem with Colin Kaepernick. Um, you know, I think a lot of America did at the time because they didn't understand what he was kind of kneeling for. And now people are starting to be, you know, quote unquote, woke, as the kids say. <laughs> Here's my, um, can I give a hot take on Colin? Yeah. My hot take is Colin was borderline like an NFL backup. Like when he started kneeling, like here's the thing. I was, I was behind the whole kneeling thing. I was like, more players need to start doing this. I was even saying, I was like, I really want to see um, like more stars do this. Like people that like really have a face in the league, not just like, you know, like I saw like Martellus Bennett and Colin Kaepernick and um, Eric Reed is like, okay, like these are, yeah, these are NFL players, but like until I think we see like a Richard Sherman or like someone who's a face of the league, I feel like people are going to keep criticizing. But like, you know, I was thinking of like Packers fans, you know, Wisconsin fans were like getting mad at Martellus and I'm like, come on. Like if, if that was um, Charles Woodson or Donald Driver, you guys would have been like, oh, like, yeah, we, like, we support it, you know? And, what? like, with Colin, my argument was, like, there was a lot of people saying, like, you know, oh, he can't even get an NFL job. Like, you know, that's uncalled for. And I'm like, he wasn't – like, he was borderline, you know, a backup, and now you have all this attention on you. Like, this is kind of, like, it's tricky because if you're, if you're just a starter, you know, then I don't think he's going to lose a job. I wouldn't think he'd lose a job by doing it. This is a good what if, and we're going to well, get into what ifs in a little bit. But I guess well, I'm, just, I'm just trying to say, even right now, Kaepernick, where would he go? Like, he's not going to start in the NFL anywhere. All right. So I'm glad you brought that up. Hold on. Let me, let me, I don't want to say correct you, but let me give some Stephen A. Smith advice here to you. The 2016 was his last season as a starter. He played 12 games, threw for 2,241 yards, 16 touchdown passes, four interceptions, and rushed for 468 rushing yards. Plus, he led San Francisco to the Super Bowl. Um, so I think he has it in him to be a starter. You know, yeah, he took the job from Alex Smith. But then Alex Smith had a resurgence in Kansas City before Mahomes came in for him. 
Um, so I think Kaepernick has the ability. Uh, but I understand what you're saying too. You know, if that was Brett Favre taking a knee or Aaron Rodgers taking a knee, Green Bay would all have been behind them. I'm like, yeah, you know, that's our boy. Um, but um, I think me being hopeful, Cincinnati signs him as a veteran backup for Joe Burrow to learn a little bit for. Joe Burrow's always said he he respects Kaepernick. He 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 loved what he was doing back in 2016. Why not sign him to the Bengals? Uh, and that's me living in a fantasy land too. That'd be great to have a veteran quarterback, quote unquote, to be a mentor to Joe Burrow. But that's my pick for him. That's my landing spot. The issue I have with uh, Kaepernick, well, when I see available quarterbacks right now, even with Colin in the, the mix, I don't see anyone better than Cam Newton. That's my biggest thing. Like, Cam is, even if he's not necessarily 100% Cam, I would still take Cam right now or any free agent quarterback available. And the only thing holding them back is just the health check. They want to make sure they can't get their docs on them. So, like, I get, I get why this is important for the NFL because they've essentially blackballed Kaepernick with all this, and it's them finally admitting their wrongdoing about letting them come back. But if you had a chance to sign Kaepernick or Cam Newton, like, who are you taking? Cam Newton is a freak of nature. Like, I'll take Cam all day. And, like, I would rather – I guess that's just where I get caught up. Like, like both of you were saying, Colin has the potential. Like, he's shown it. He's gotten to that level. But, geez, Cam Newton. I, I mean, I don't know. That's just the first thing that comes to my mind. If you're considering Colin, then Cam should be the first on your list. And you've had to contact him and make offer for him first. That's just how I see it. No, I, I think you're right. So I don't, you know, this is way above my pay grade. But. I, I'll take Superman over anybody else too as a, in the free agency. Like you're totally right. Even like when there's Philip Rivers and, you know, some of, the other, some of these other quarterbacks, I'd take Cam or Philip Rivers or Jameis Winston or whoever. Um, I think you're totally right. But I think like you said, it's the doctors. They want their team personnel, their team doctors to look at him to make sure he's good. And do whenever he gets signed, he is pissed off. It pissed off Cam Newton is dangerous, man. I'm 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 excited to see what type of stats he's gonna do. I've never been a Panthers fan. I don't like Panther fans. I don't like the Panthers, but I respect game and Cam Newton's got game. Yeah, and Liz Bronk injuries are no joke. I mean, it's I mean it's a serious issue, but and he was having issues with his shoulders. So mm-hmm. my thing is like, okay, looking at the rehab and the therapy and the surgery involved his shoulder should be a hundred percent right now. And his foot, I mean, honestly, his foot should be too, if the surgery's well and they've rehabbed everything. Like in my eyes, with the time Cam's had, he's good. Yeah. So I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see if he lands anywhere. And I mean, if Kaepernick lands anywhere, I hope both of them get jobs, but man, just my opinion. Yeah. I mean, Cam Newton's videos right now, he's throwing out his workout videos and his dropbacks. I mean, his footwork looks better, just as good as his rookie year did as it does now, you know? Um, so I think his foot's hundred percent healthy. Whoever signs him gets a steal. I think the bears would thrive with 
Cam Newton. I I think Cam would fit in that offense. I hope they botch it. I mean, I'm yeah. I'm, a, I'm a Packers fan. You, you know, I I, I hope they keep riding Mitch. But that was a concern when when I saw the Bears were interested. I was like, man, you know, Cam Newton in a Nagy offense could be scary. No, forget it. Uh, you know, especially with uh, Cohen you know, in the backfield and they got a, they have another running back, but just kind of the, the things they're doing with Mitch. It's just funny because Mitch can't really run, <laughs> you know? So it's just, it's wild. I guess Kaepernick for that matter. I don't, again, I don't think he's good enough to be a starter, but if you're looking for like a running quarterback, um, yeah. Hey, him and Tariq Cohen, Give me my zone option RPO peaks all day. I'm going to torch you every day. Like, yeah. that would be scary. And, and you know, I'm a little yeah. biased to Tariq because he's a Bun alum and, you know, he's, he does good stuff back in the community of Bun. But that's a good point, uh, Evan. That's a real good point. But that's what the Bears do. And, like, even they're, they have, like, a tight end scheme. I mean, mm-hmm. they're, they're really – it is kind of this next generation of football is just – is using these tight ends and running backs and having an athletic quarterback. But again, the Bears are doing this with Mitch Trubisky. And it's just hilarious because it just implodes on them. And it's like, the thing is you're watching going, there's something here. They just haven't yeah. figured out, they haven't figured out their their key piece at quarterback. And I think everybody in the nation, besides the GM and and like personnel at Chicago realized Mitch is not the answer, but like they're just so feeling Mitch is our guy. It's our Boy, they went so high on him. project, and it's hilarious that like, they they drafted Mitch over Deshaun Watson and Patty Mahomes. I mean, I could I could talk about the the Bears and how trash they are for a long time, but it's it just it's hilarious to me. <laughs> Well, speaking of, you know, kind of like what ifs, if, you know, he got drafted, you know, Mahomes got drafted, what is your all's biggest what ifs in sports history? Um, I was reading an article this week, and it, it was by Bleacher Report, and it had the biggest top 20 what ifs in sports history. So I really want to get your all's takes on what you all think maybe the top three is or top two, whatever one you guys come up with. Um, anybody want to start off? This is the segment I was the most excited for. <laughs> this week yeah i did a lot of homework like i filled up two pages and i haven't done that since college so Whew. yeah i tried I'll, to i tried to limit mine i'll go ahead and go first since uh i am the least prepared for this category boys uh, wow well i don't have uh, two pages uh double space <laughs> and 11 font um, uh, single space oh, oh sorry okay um i guess my biggest what if and we may have touched this uh, a few weeks ago, would be if LeBron James went to the NFL over the NBA. And I know a couple of weeks ago, it was kind of like the buzz thing. Um, I think it came out that Jerry Jones actually had a contract ready for LeBron when the NBA lockout was going on. And LeBron, yeah, I think LeBron has it framed in his office or Jerry has it framed. And I was just thinking like, if you, okay, he's bigger. At the time 
when Gronk was in football shape. He's bigger than Gronk. He can jump higher than Gronk. Like, and he's faster than Gronk. So just think about him, uh, honestly, with, with any starting quarterback, just think about what could have been. I mean, he's, I mean, arguably the GOAT. That's a whole other discussion of basketball. But would that transition to football? I think it would. I think he would easily be the top tight end in our generation, like over Gronk. It wouldn't be a competition to me. Um, what do you guys think about LeBron? I think that's a good take. Oh. I think when you look at like the top tight ends in NFL history, a lot of them have that basketball background, whether it's you know Jimmy Graham or Tony Gonzalez. Did Gronk play basketball? I assume he yeah he did he did he some did. basketball. Antonio Gates, I mean like it it is like I would say like there is the argument that you know those sport you know there's always the argument of like oh like you know the sports wouldn't transfer over but I think basketball players to the tight end position there's been success um and I'm sure LeBron would crush it if he played tight end I'm sure he would have and he he only played three varsity years uh, but he played for a powerhouse in Ohio St. Vincent St. Mary's which they are a powerhouse when it comes to high school football in Ohio um I just put, pulled up the stats. He only played three seasons. He didn't play a senior season because he was going to get paid going to Cleveland. So he already knew that. Um, he played one season at quarterback. Golly, could you oh imagine trying to tackle LeBron? Like, I'm like, no, Coach, I'm good. I'm going to go play JV this week. I'm, I'm, I'm good. Uh, two seasons at wide receiver. Um, so he wasn't even playing tight end then. But his body ability, I mean, he's grown since then. Uh, he was a two-time All-Ohio selection at wide receiver. So he was All-Ohio. 99 receptions, 1,900 receiving yards, 27 total touchdowns in his career, had six 100-plus yard receiving games. Like, that's come on. out of control. Yeah. That's and nice. if he had kept playing in college, stayed healthy, probably played for the Ohio State University, we'd be talking about LeBron and Gronk or somebody. Yeah, really. And I have, I have some more stats um, of a picture. I think this is from ESPN's Twitter page. So they have James, Gronk, and Kelsey all together with just different biometrics. So LeBron has four inches on both Gronk and Kelsey. He's a little underweight. He's about five to 10 pounds underweight. But again, LeBron's in basketball shape, which is way different than football shape. LeBron's 40 is uh, almost a whole sec or uh, 0.1 seconds off, or I guess quicker than Gronk and Kelsey. But the killer is LeBron has at least five inches on this vertical. So like in almost every biometric right there, LeBron, even in basketball shape, would, would is, is better objectively. So what Parker said, the points that Evan made, it's just, yeah, I think in a parallel universe, you know, LeBron is just crushing it in the NFL world right now. I had no idea he was four inches taller than those guys. Golly. Yeah. What's funny, like, I thought of another argument I hear people make is, is what if Usain Bolt played football? Like, fastest man in the world. Like, what if he had played wide receiver? Because he's like 6'5 and, you know, weighs like, I don't know how much he weighs, you know, but I mean, you know, fastest sprinter in the world. Oh but it's funny God. because 
in an interview they they did an interview before like the london olympics and someone sat down i think it was like bob costas sat down with him he's like usain bolt you know would you play football if you play in their sport and usain bolt was like no he's like uh i'd play cricket because like that was like his sport he was like yeah i wanted to be a cricketer so like i don't know that's just kind of an extreme take but like well what, what if usain bolt had played cricket like we'll be we'd be talking about like the best Jamaican cricketer. <laughs> that would be pretty awesome. Not even going to lie. He'd bring a lot to the game too. I think, I think if Usain Bolt was playing cricket, I think a lot of people globally would know more about cricket. Yeah. Hands down. Cause I know yeah. nothing about the sport. I also don't think his game would transfer to NFL. Like, I mean, just being fast, in the NFL, like, again, like, the, like, people make the argument, like, Devin Hester was not good just because he was fast. He was fast, but he also had the perfect cut. And, like, that's something you can't teach. Is like, you can't just, like, <laughs> like, you know, watching Forrest Gump, like, when he just runs in, like, a straight line and, like, somehow is, like, an All-American. Like, there's a reason that's a fable. Like, that, that would never happen. <laughs> like you, there's a difference between being fast and elusive yeah, yeah. <laughs> what'd you say tim i said wait you're telling me that was not true i thought Forrest... <laughs> wait okay i need to google some things i'll be back <laughs> um you got any more tim what if uh no i'm peaked right there so i'll hand it off to that you was a good one that was a good one ed do you want to take it yeah i've got um you know, I was thinking Packers initially. Um, you know, a few really, really, if you look at Packers quarterbacks, um, one of the biggest draft what ifs is in 2005, if Aaron Rodgers had been taken instead of Alex Smith to the 49ers. I I'm didn't so dig, glad you brought that up. I didn't dig deep into that one um, because I don't like to think about that. <laughs> I was like, I don't, you know, I don't necessarily because, and the reality is it wouldn't have been, I don't think it would have been good for Aaron. Um, I mean, you know, the Niners had a good defense, but I feel like he didn't have, there wasn't like offensive weapons that he had in Green Bay. Well, but, he had Frank Gore and Vernon Davis. Yeah. And they got Michael Crabtree later. They do eventually get Crabtree. Yeah. But I don't know. I think it'd be very – I think – I, I Can I dive into this a little bit? I had this on my it. list too. Dive into it. So, yeah, so there was talks going on that draft that Rodgers could have been the number one pick. Um, but then Alex Smith was kind of like the, the surefire guy. Like Aaron Rodgers was kind of dangerous, a little cocky. He had a big arm. He got in trouble a little bit. Um, so if Smith was a safe pick, they go with Smith, the 49ers do. Um but he had a terrible rookie season. Like, he had one touchdown, 11 interceptions. It was not a good year. Rodgers obviously sat behind Brett Favre, learned how to play the game, had a much better career-wise, um, six Pro Bowls, two MVPs, a Super Bowl trophy, and an MVP. Um, but what I think what would have happened, so Rodgers goes number one. I don't think Alex Smith falls back as far as Rodgers did. I think he goes number five to Tampa. Um, I think he goes to Tampa Bay. Um, Green Bay instead gets Marlon Jackson, who's a cornerback from Michigan. 
because they kind of need some help on that secondary that year. Um, and so I think 49ers get slightly better. They go from 4-12 and 12 to probably, you know, maybe 8-8 eight and eight with Rodgers there because they have Frank Gore, Frank Gore later in that draft. We'll take, they already have Vernon Davis. Uh, Tampa Bay with Alex Smith. That's a toss-up. Who knows what happens in Tampa Bay. Um, but here's what I found interesting is the following year's draft. Tim, you're not going to like this. The Buccaneers, who have a slightly better record or slightly worse record this year, they'll pick up Megatron that year. Calvin Johnson will go to Tampa. The Lions will take Joe Thomas, which Joe Thomas is a pretty good pick, though. Browns will take Adrian Peterson. The Vikings will take Brady Quinn from Notre Dame. That's just like a huge what if snare. I really wow. dove into that one. Yeah, that, that's pretty. There's a lot to chew on that one. Well, I even thought if Aaron Rodgers doesn't go to Green Bay, does that mean Favre plays for the Packers? Okay. Like, does he sign again? Like, so does he this, sign a contract? I, or I think he comes back. I don't think he ever goes to Minnesota. I think he stays there. In 2009, we had the Super Bowl we all dreamed of as a kid. Favre versus Manning. Because remember, it was Brees versus Manning that year. But I yeah. think – say. I think New Orleans has to go to Green Bay in the wintertime when it's snowing. They lose, so now it's far versus Manning. Yeah. I had a lot of free time this week. Yeah. Boys, and so. you could argue, I mean, really, when you look at – because in 07, the Packers lost to the Giants, and then the Giants go and beat the undefeated Patriots. And that was when Favre left. Like, we had Rodgers in our back pocket. And then 08 was a development year. But really, when you talk about the 09, the 2010, the 2011 Packers, that's really like the peak of like, you know, we have Clay Matthews. Charles Woodson was just defensive player of the year. Like there's like the, the Packers are stacked. And we were really relying on Aaron being our guy. And he wins the Super Bowl. And yeah, he becomes our guy. But um I do think Favre – well, even just Favre's legacy is different. That it, I think Favre could have led us – you know, the defense really carried us the year we won the Super Bowl. But maybe we talk about Favre in a different light as one of the greats to win early in his career and then to retire, you know, to win a Super Bowl and retire. You know, maybe he leapfrogs in those, like – the great conversations but i actually like the way it played out because i get <laughs> i have aaron Rodgers. Um, i mean i'm i'm hoping the same thing happens with jordan love um you just history repeating itself but here's my what if for far so i so in 1991 what if brett Favre had started a game for atlanta because mm. their quarterback actually got hurt he was, he was out for two games, and they put in the guy. Favre was the third string in Atlanta. And the coach basically said, I'm never going to play Favre. Like, he had – like, he made a statement. Like he made some statement like, like, I swear on my kids, he's never going to start this year or something like that. I mean, this guy is terrible. And Why? Wait, why? Favre <sighs> – you know, he's a character. Like, you know, he's probably drinking like 12 to 18 beers like a day. 
<laughs> and he's just pounding barley and hops. He's not watching film. He doesn't really know defenses. He's just a cannon arm. Um, but, I mean, credit to Ron Wolf in Green Bay. He just took a chance on him. We traded a first-round pick for him his second year just to be a backup. Like, not even to be a star, just to be a backup. And, you know, just like any situation, quarterback goes down, we put in Favre, and it just kind of worked. Um, but it was definitely a project. You know, it's not like – yeah, it's not like it worked. But what I'm saying is if Favre had gotten into the game for Atlanta, if they had played him in those two games, and I'm not saying he would throw like four or five touchdowns, but you would have seen the far magic. It would have been like you'd see the rocket arm. There would have been some crazy win, and Atlanta would have been like, yeah, you know, we got to hold on to this guy and and just see. And it's just one of those – it's one of those what-ifs. Um, yeah, because if he doesn't leave Atlanta, Mike Vick never shows up in Atlanta. Mike Vick doesn't show up. Deion Sanders was in Atlanta. You know, maybe he stays. That he's like, you Ooh. know, this is the this is team is looking promising. That maybe we talk about the Falcons in the '90s as being like one of the greatest teams, led by yeah. Favre and Deion. But instead, it's Favre goes to Green Bay. Deion's like, man, I'm trying to play for a winning team, so he goes to Dallas <laughs> and uh, San Fran. So. That's a, I like that one. Yeah. And one of the few books I read, sorry to all my readers out there, uh, was Brett Favre's biography. And he talked about his time in Atlanta. Like he was only there as a, like a, a sideshow act. They, the coach would be like, Hey, you go up to the coach. I mean, I bet you a hundred bucks that Brett Favre can throw in that third section of the stadium up there. And they'd be like, all right, I'll take your money. And Brett Favre yeah. would sling it to the third part of the stadium. Like, yeah, I mean, just a cannon. Um, yeah. He is yeah, the like, strongest arm like in like of all time yeah like that's basically he he is the best arm in football ever and no one wanted to really take a shot on him and he didn't throw the ball out in high school i think they ran like the the veer in high school he ran the wishbone off wishbone (laughs) what and then he goes to southern miss and they didn't throw a whole lot when he was there at least his first two years i don't think they actually beat bama unknown dude they beat bama and yeah. I think it was senior year. Um, there was a little movement. I only noticed because I did a I did a project on Brett Favre in high school. My freshman year, I had to do a project on my hero, and I chose Brett Favre. This was before he went to New York, and and then broke my heart by going to Minnesota. But I'm over <laughs> it now. I can see the whole elephant. You know, once he threw across his body against the Saints, it was all forgiven because. He he broke the hearts of like several Vikings fans, but anyway, Favre they beat Bama his senior year, and there was a movement, and it was Favre for Heisman, but it, they used the number four like Favre for Heisman, and he finished, I want to say like top seven in the Heisman, like he didn't get you know it, however they decide that like he didn't get to go, you know with the with the three or whatever, but. There was definitely a movement um, for Favre to be a Heisman. That's pretty good. Like, he he had a heck of a career. Like, Favre's always one of my all-time – like, I know I'm a product of the 90s because I look at Favre as my rush, Rushmore quarterbacks. Like, he's always up there for me. 
I don't have any allegiance to Green Bay or anything, but watching him play snow games or watching him after his dad died play, like, those are moments I remember watching. I'm like, that is cool. So He's my hero, man. Yeah, yeah I don't blame <laughs> you. Yeah, yeah, another what if? Oh, go ahead, Tim. Sorry. Oh, you're fine. I was going to say, uh, I didn't really care for his jersey, but Barb was pretty cool, I guess. <laughs> you like his Wranglers, huh? I like his jeans better than his <laughs> cheese head. So I got another wild one. Um, and this one, I, I just, I didn't, you know, I started by looking up what ifs and I said, I want to go a little bit out there. Like, I don't want to just say like the generic. Um, Cause like, there's definitely like, you can talk about any player who got injured. Like, mm-hmm. you know, what if, Derrick Rose never got injured or what if Bo Jackson never got injured you know there's a ton of those but I was like I want to like kind of I want to try to find this is what I got so oh (laughs) I think it was 1974 the Milwaukee Bucks got the rights to Dr. J and Julius Irving was playing in the ABA at the time so they couldn't he couldn't just like swing over but it was wild because the Bucks got the rights to him and then the ABA was forced to close and all these players in the ABA got released and became free agents. So the Bucks had to physically go sign a deal with Dr. J. But I was reading an article and the Bucks owner, when he went to go sign Dr. J, he had to like wait in a room. And meanwhile, while he was waiting, the Philadelphia 76ers made a deal with Dr. J. And so I afterwards, I'm like, yeah, he just signed a deal with the Sixers. And the Bucks manager's like, yeah, but we own the rights to him. And they finagled a trade like right there. And they said, well, we'll give you this. And, and I just froze again. But I think I, got, I think I got the gist of it. Keep it rolling. You're doing good. Keep it going. We can hear you. And we lost you. <laughs> All right, so Dr. J, I can't imagine Dr. J in a Bucks jersey. Like, he's a Sixers in my mind. I mean, the reason – it's a big what if because this could arguably be the best big three of all time. And Oscar Robinson, Dr. J, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Man, they, I mean, they still the 60s and 70s. And maybe we don't have a Celtics Lakers rivalry anymore. Maybe it's a Celtics. Well, they Bucks were right rivalry. before. It's wild because, again, I'm I'm so passionate about Dr. J. Is Dr. J's game is what Magic and Larry would be able to do with the Lakers and the Celtics. Yeah. But Julius was trying to do it with a trash Philly team that basically weren't team oriented guys. And Julius had to sacrifice his game for some of those guys and would later get, he did get a championship with Moses Malone. Once he got Moses Malone, they were able to get a championship and he got his due justice. But I I think with the Bucks, we're looking at like, I mean, this is a hot take. I'm, I'm saying he's got Jordan six rings and then some, you know I mean? He may have, like seven or eight rings. I mean, you're talking about three all-time basketball players right there. Like, and I think it, you could put 
all three on anybody's top 20 list, they'll make it. Maybe not some of these young kids, but oof, the original big three, yeah. I mean, he might have eight, nine rings. Golly. Yeah, that would be scary to, like, have to face that squad. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I, I agree. That would, I mean, I don't think that's necessarily a hot take. I think if that happens, you know, he, he's the go. Yeah, I think uh, we enter the conversation of could Michael be at the level of Dr. J rather than people just having Michael on the peak. So, yeah, that's an interesting take you got there. That's- and did, does that make Michael stay in the league longer? Maybe don't take a sabbatical to go play baseball. Maybe he stays a little bit longer to ring chase Dr. J. Man, that's a huge domino effect. That's a good one, Fitz. I'm serious. I mean, Dr. J, for me, he changed the game in the same way that, again, he would, he set the stage for Magic and Larry to be successful because he showed if you can be a team-oriented star that controls the game with 12 baskets a game, you can win championships. Problem is, he'd have to go through a good Portland team and he just he didn't have talent around he didn't have guys around him and he had a lot of guys who were still playing um just kind of one dimensional ball um so i just i vouch for jo- for dr j i think he's like in the mount rushmore maybe i mean i yeah i think he's like lebron i think it's like lebron jordan dr j i think they're the three guys but doc doesn't have the rings to back it up that's a good one. That's a good one. I like staying it. with staying with basketball. It, this is just on the you know Bleacher Report list. What if MJ would have got drafted to Portland and Sam Bowie would have went to Chicago? What if they would have flipped? Does Michael have the career he does in Portland and says Chicago? Well, Portland it, are they the ones that get um, Sam? Do they have Clyde Drexler the year before? Yeah. And that was part of the reason they didn't take Jordan is they mm-hmm. already had, you know, Clyde was basically that for Portland. I mean, I think, I think he'd be successful in Portland playing with Clyde the Glide. Um, yeah. As well, cause Scotty then goes to Portland later in his career. Yeah, it is wild. Yeah. I honestly think wherever MJ ends up, he's going to be successful one way or another. He has that in him. Yeah. It's, he's a different breed, man. He's an alien. Um, staying, once again, with basketball, this might be a name that you young cats got to look up. Lynn Bias. Lynn Bias, Maryland, uh, coming out of the University of Maryland, gets drafted by a Celtics number one pick, dies of cocaine overdose the day he gets drafted, or technically the night after. Um I think, and me being a Celtics fan, I always thought, what if Lynn Bias? If he would have came on the scene, would he have battled MJ? And I think, you know, that year in 87, the Celtics went to the finals, and they got beat by the Lakers, but they pushed them to six games. If they have Lynn Bias on that team, I think Celtics have a banner in 87. I think they take it. And then does it become the bad boys Pistons versus the Celtics does the bad boys ever get over that hump because Lynn Bias is young? He's got the energy now. Mm. And now does Michael Jordan have to go through the Celtics even more instead of the bad boys? And so that's always been – I know I'm biased. I'm a Celtics fan. So 
Um, any well, that 86, that 86 Celtics team is like arguably like they're in the conversation, like the best team to ever play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So add a young, a young rising star that they could, they could be around for a while. Yeah, that's definitely an interesting point. I mean, it's funny how when you initially think, say some of these points, you're like, okay, yeah, I could see that. And then you start to realize the domino effect of the implications it could have, not just that season, but years. You're like, oh, yeah, wow, that, that is a real game changer. Yeah. It, real quick, drug PSA here. Lynn Bias is the first time he ever did cocaine. So, uh, supposedly. So, first time killed him. But, uh, next one. And I like this one because I just watched Lance ESPN's 30 for 30 documentary on him. Really good. By the way, that man does not care that he cheated. And I don't really care he cheated either because apparently everybody was doing cycling. Plus, he only had one nut. So, you get testicular cancer. I want you juicing, man. Go for it. Uh, But what if Lance got caught sooner? Maybe he only won one Tour de France. Um, Or maybe he didn't do it at all. Now, Nike had already partnered with him after he had cancer. He didn't win one until after he already had cancer. Um, so his little strong foundation, we all assume that's there. But what's the implication for, like, cycling? Because America used to be big in cycling. Like, for that year that he was just making run after run, I think everybody was, like, a cycle fan. Everybody watched Tour de France. Everyone also had those Live Strong bracelets. Yeah. Like, we were all in on Lance. Yeah, I don't – I mean, I hadn't watched the 30 for 30. It's on my bucket list along with a lot of other things. Um, <laughs> But knowing the little I know about Lance, I don't know if that would have changed anything. I think he seems to have that drive that, and, and I think he's, he said it, like he's going to do it, like no matter what. And if he's, as you mentioned, EPO doping was all over cycling. I don't know what the regulations are now, but all the cyclists were doing it. And so if, if Lance sees that it's giving another cyclist a competitive edge over him, I think before even that, he's like, yeah, let's go, let's go ahead and do it. That's just my opinion. I think that may change when I watch it. I mean, does he go into detail in 30 for 30 about um, like the EPO and the doping and so it's all not that? the true process of it, but like you said, like he's, he's this driven guy and he's been the best his whole life. All of a sudden he gets there and why the hell is he beating me so bad? Oh, he's doping. Well, <laughs> come on. Let me dope. Let me get that in me. Um, and then, like, he has no regrets about it. Like, zero. Uh, I, the only guy he hates is the guy that was snitched on him. You know, but other than that, he's all smiles about it. So, uh, Yeah, I guess I did see a little clip that said, you know, he doesn't have a problem sleeping at night. So, if he can, if he can live with all that in his past and – get a good night's sleep, then I guess he truly doesn't care <laughs> about, about all that stuff. I saw a post on, I guess it's just on social media, but it was a joke like what, what movie scene has aged the worst in the past like few years, but they were like gold medal, Lance Armstrong and dodgeball. <laughs> when he's talking to like Peter LaFleur about like, you know, when I was diagnosed with cancer, but then I came back and won the Tour de France three times. <laughs> oh god. We're just ragging that. that so bad. Age like milk, right? 
But if you haven't seen Lance ESPN's documentary, go see it. It's good. It's worth it. Like, I forgot all about it for the most part, honestly. It was good to relive it. Um, so those were like Bleacher Report's kind of top ones. Uh, number two was Rodgers going to the 49ers to the Alex Smith for me. And number one, Fitz, you talked on about a little bit, was let me take you back to 2008. A number one pick from Memphis, Tennessee University. He's a Chicago kid. He gets drafted by the Chicago Bulls. He is rookie of the year. At age 22, 2011, he becomes the youngest MVP. 2010 to 2012, he has all-star appearances all four seasons. 2012, he leads the Chicago Bulls to the playoffs with a number two seed, tears his ACL in game one. Derrick Rose, if he never gets hurt, what's his career like? I mean, Chicago is pretty good at that time. I can't remember. I mean, I know they had like Joe Kim Noah. Yep. Luau Deng. They have uh, Brewer coming in. Like, they just had a good team. I, I can't remember who was coaching them. It wasn't Dan Tony, was it, before he went to Houston? Or... I don't think it was Dan Tony. I, I should have looked it up. I I'm thinking – I mean, but I remember they were, like, the team on the rise. They were they – were, they had the chance to be – I mean, one, they, I mean, they were a contender. Yeah. Uh, they they should have won, in my opinion, they should have won the East or at least came close to it. Um, to give you some background, like D Rose was the man that Chicago, he was supposed to be the savior. You know, they didn't have a winning season after Jordan left up until um, 2004, 2005, and they barely made the playoffs. And all of a sudden, D Rose comes in and they go 63 and 20, you know, or 50 and 11 or whatever it is. Um, like, D-Rose was that dude, and he was supposed to be the next Michael Jordan for Chicago. Um, but, unfortunately, he tears his ACL, and then the next year he comes, he misses a whole year, comes back, tears his meniscus. I think he would have had the greatest NBA career of these young guys. I think we'd be talking about him instead of LeBron. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. Now, I'm a little biased because I'm kind of in this new wave of therapy. But I think, unfortunately, Derek – was right at that cusp before we really honed in on some of this, the sports rehab. And, um, and I don't know specifically what rehab processes he used for his knee, but gosh, I feel like, I mean, you get athletes with ACL tears, high elite athletes, and they're projected to come back as quickly as nine months. I mean, Adrian Peterson was the, he broke the mold, but like, the rehab process, the surgery. If Derek, if if Derek Rose was playing now, and this happened, I think, like you said, it's a whole different ball game. He, I mean, you're going to have injuries, especially with the explosive play that he has. But he's going to be able to get excellent surgery, excellent rehab. We're going to see him possibly the end of the next season, and and then it just snowballs because it's just. When you injure one thing in the knee, everything else is susceptible. It's, you would know that if you had any injury. And look at what Derrick Rose is doing now or what he did with the Pistons. Like, he's on fire. And it's because he's putting in the prehab for his knees. And so it's like, man, if he was just – if we either hit that cusp of therapy and surgery 
before that or if he was playing now, I definitely agree with you. It would be definitely a game changer. I guess I think I think D Rose I guess I see like a little bit of Russell Westbrook. Like he was kind of that first I feel like he was that first point guard in a long time to just be like explosive and but I don't know if I see him winning like a ton of championships. I think he could have taken the Bulls to a championship. And I think we'd be talking about him like statistically like Russell Westbrook. Like maybe like, oh, he's Mr. Triple Double. And, you know, he, he's an all-star. But I think unless he's finagled in some trade where he goes with people – like, I, I don't think – as much as it is a what if, I think he just would have been a lot better. Like, I think he would have had a long, good career, but kind of like Westbrook, like, just not quite able to reach a championship with the people around him. I could see that. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, you look at what Westbrook had and – He had KD. Yeah. And Harden. Harden. And <laughs> you're like, wait – they were together and they didn't win, but yeah, I, I could I could see that spin on it as well. Um, real quick, Father's Day this weekend. Ev, you got a random question for us. Hit it. Yeah, first before uh, I had a thought about you, your last statement. You said there's nothing on. Golf is back. I think that'd be a perfect. Father's Day uh, celebration. Uh, Schwab, Charles Schwab Classic was last week. Uh, it's not the classic. It's called something else. <laughs> but uh, the Charles Schwab, uh, really good, really good golf match. Daniel Berger snuck in there with the win. Um, so getting to some PGA. There's nothing like Sunday golf. But we got a, a fa- yeah, we got a Father's Day question. Uh, I just want to ask in television or movies, who are the world's greatest dads? And I generated just a short list. Um, but just let me know what you think. I think these are just kind of the, these are kind of the keys. Um, if you think Disney, Lion King, Mufasa. RIP baby. RIP. Um, also technically Disney. Darth Vader, uh, Star Wars. You're saying that's a top father? I'm father saying these, these popped up like on okay. Google. If you Google like like uh, world's greatest dad, these pop up. <laughs> <laughs> um, also Disney. This this is uh, from Finding Nemo. Marlin. Mm, I mean, he one. literally he literally travels through the ocean blue just to find his son. It's pretty top dad, top dad move. What would you guys add? Uh, so, yeah, I don't know how you missed this father of your material. Walter White from Breaking Bad. I mean, the man made a meth empire for his family. Like, come on. he That's dad of the year material. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. I agree with you. Uh, <laughs> I, I would like to add, this is, I feel like this is a sleeper. Let me know what you guys think. Mrs. Doubtfire 
Ooh, ooh. I like that one. Yeah, right? A little Robin Williams action. A uh, little uh, separated family. And he does some crazy things to get back. At the end, the judge denies custody. But he still just keeps his grind on. And he actually gets custody. And he develops a great relationship with his children. Robin Williams. I'll give a golf clap there. That's pretty yeah, good. That'd be a good rewatch. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, I've got on Netflix, and this might be on Disney Plus too, but they've got all the Indiana Jones, but the best one is the third Indiana Jones, The Last Crusade. You get to meet Dr. Henry Jones Sr., played by Sean Connery. Hmm. And he's, uh, he's Indiana Jones' dad. He just says junior the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta love it. But he's he's one of my favorites. The other one that I saw, again, I'm I'm like I'm trying to give people something to watch. Disney Plus, you can get uh, not the original parent trap, but the second parent trap. Cause uh, when I think like movie dad, Dennis Quaid just comes to mind like any so whether it's parent trap or the rookie or there's a movie called frequency is like his best dad role uh but dennis quaid is the ultimate tv dad for me that's a heck of a list man we just knocked out some good movies yeah yeah the only one i didn't mention was uh i guess i can say the best for last vito corleone Godfather. <laughs> that's a no-brainer. I mean, that's on everybody's top top list right there. He's, the top he's, dad. Dad. he's got some quote. I should have pulled the quote. It's uh, he says something about man cannot be a real man. He doesn't spend time with his family. It's mm-hmm. like that's like the ultimate Father's Day homage. He's gonna make an offer you can't refuse. <sighs> Such a crap. I'm gonna have to watch that this week now. Uh, but shout out, you know, shout out to all the dads out there, but especially, you know, my father, he's top notch superhero number one for me. And I'm sure like you guys too. Um, so if you guys want to give a special shout out to your dad, feel free. Love you, Mark. I love you, dad. <laughs> <laughs> Keep putting up in the city, dad. <laughs> well, guys, this has been a fun one. It's been an interesting journey. Um, Next week, we will have Devin Slate back on there for us. Uh, so th- don't worry. He's back. He's back. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. <laughs> <laughs>